This is John Mitchell. You're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello. Well, how about that? Lightning does strike twice, ladies and gentlemen, with this team. Another 7-0 thrashing on the road. What an evening, what a season. Nothing is ever certain for where we are headed, but my goodness, isn't the journey a joy. We were looking for a performance to set a new tone. By golly, did we do just that. On the team today to discuss this with me are two pilgrims who made the journey down the M4 last night. Morgan and Wigo are here with me, J-Mac, 007, Casino Royal. This is the Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Right, guys. So good to see you both. You were both there. I mean, this is the perfect response to come back with after our form in the league. I mean, I, I said, Wigo, that I wanted revenge on the last pod, but my God, I didn't expect this. I mean, who the hell do we think we are? This is an absolute blinding result once again, mate. Well, another 7-0. I mean, I'm glad I got to see it because I thought I'd missed out. I didn't go to Blackburn. Seeing us score seven on the telly was special, but... You know, being in the ground to watch that was unbelievable. Um, Reading really didn't put up much of a fight, certainly second half. And um, unbelievable. We absolutely ripped them to shreds. And you can say what they want about injuries or COVID or whatever. Justice, as far as I'm concerned. We were all looking forward to our Christmas sort of game there. And then they decided to go and postpone it. So justice, got absolutely no sympathy for them. Um, yeah, brilliant win. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, mate. And, and you, Morgs, what are your thoughts, mate? Oh, absolutely delighted. I was obviously watching the uh, Blackburn game on TV, gutted not to be there for that 7-0. And then to experience this one was really quite special. It's the first time I've seen us win 7-0 since my second ever game watching Fulham. And that's when we beat Swansea in the Cup in 1995. And wow. it's just, it's quite, it's quite an extraordinary thing to watch because it was... That first half, I mean, we were better than them, but they had some good chances. And they looked like it was sort of relatively even. Obviously, we got um, the penalty uh, right at the end of the first half. But we, it was almost as if we were trying to walk the ball into the net. And we were, you know, just thinking, we really got to get another one here just to sort of really sort of seal it. And then the second half was just mind-boggling. I mean... If there are any Reading fans there, they would have been really upset, I'm sure. But it was just—it <laughs> was a—it was a, a, an empty bowl of a stadium uh, with about two to two and a half thousand Fulham fans in it. And what we saw in that second half was—it was just brutal. They just didn't want to be there. The Reading players—they looked absolutely soul destroyed. And I know they got injuries and whatnot, but when that sort of when the third goal went in. Uh, their heads dropped and then after that we just walked through them we should have scored you know we could have had double figures really I mean speaking of figures mate I mean we've completely broken smashed some records here I think Mitrovic is now our highest goal scorer overseas goal scorer because of this Um, you've got our highest XG um, since XG records began with us I think it was two years ago (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But that's, um, I'm reading that thanks to at Cottage Analytica on Twitter. So thanks for that, mate. Thank you for letting me use that. And um, yeah, I, I, there were some other things, I think, on the athletic one there. We go. Uh, yeah, mate. So we're the first team, I think, is in 126, 127 years 
to win uh, win two away games by seven or more goals since Liverpool in the 1895-96 season, which um, is pretty insane when you come to think of it. Um, I, oh, you just can't quite believe <laughs> that that's happened, that that's a stat. But the funny thing is, I could see us winning 7-0 again away. You know, we look... Don't get cocky. And if there's, Don't get cocky. If there's a team, no, but if there's a team that's got injuries or you know Love COVID it. or whatever, look out because you're going to get absolutely ripped to shreds. Well, we're like the football equivalent of Omicron. <laughs> yeah, we'll rip through your team. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame Reading couldn't postpone it a bit longer. To be honest, we might have yeah. one more. I don't know. Who knows? Morgs, have you got um, but the one I like was uh, what I saw this morning. Said there have been more seven nil away wins in our matches this season than there have been in the whole of the Premier League era. That's almost know. thirty years. And the only other seven nil win away was uh, was Liverpool again. I think that was last season or season before where they beat Palace. Uh, there've been there's been like an eight nil um, and obviously Leicester beat Southampton nine nil. But yes, two seven nil wins uh, in one season. Oh. I mean, I just it. Compared to what we witnessed the last, well, you know, it, yeah, we okay, got promoted uh, in the season before last, but the style of football just wasn't there to win by that yeah. much. And we weren't clinical enough, but now it was just sort of like everyone wanted to get in on the act. I mean, Kenny Tete didn't even know how to celebrate. He was just like, I'm yeah, going to more shot than anyone. Was, <laughs> just, I mean, and Neeskins, Neeskins was so deserving of that goal because he was so, he was just trying to get it, you know, the whole of that second half. Uh, when he did it, it was just, you know, his smile sort of uh, was brightening the floodlights, I think. Well, his celebration was quite funny as well. It was almost quite an awkward one, but I mean, brilliant goal nonetheless. Look, we, we've got lots to talk about, especially the second half. I mean, I'd like to just quickly summarise the first half before we get into the, the soft porn for Fulham fans, which is the second. So let's let's, let's let's talk about the first half. I mean, as you were alluding to, Morgs, earlier, you were saying, you know, good energy, but maybe a bit too excited, a lot of wayward crossing without letting ourselves have a little bit more time on the ball. Um, I, You know, the 13th minute, Wilson's goal was a gift from the Reading defence. And I felt like we could have, even with that goal, been seeing similar problems of not being clinical enough, like you said. And, you know, I just generally like to start with your thoughts, basically with the first half we go and, you know, how Mitro's 48th minute penalty at the end really just gave us a, an extra comfort blanket, didn't it? But it did feel like we could resort to similar ways with our previous form. Yeah, it definitely felt like we were trying to walk it in. I was getting uh, Arsene Wenger, Arsenal vibes, but not when Arsenal were very good in the sort of Shamak and Arshavin era. You know, it was literally try and walk it in. Yeah. And, I mean, when you see Andy Carroll score two of the most unbelievable goals I've ever seen, um, as well, yes. you do start to question how clinical you are. Obviously, they were both offside. Um, but you wonder, if one of them was onside, could it have been a different game? Because... Uh, you know, you never know. A bit of confidence, you can go for it. But yeah, just credit to Andy Carroll because they were unbelievable finishes, both of them. Um, but yeah, that the penalty absolutely killed them off, really. Um, their confidence was just completely shot after that. Wilson did really well uh, to get to that ball, to get that touch. And then, uh, yeah, draw the foul off. I think it was Tom Holmes. Um, and I always have this sense of doubt in my mind when we get a penalty. It's probably from that season... Uh, when was it, 16-17, there's always that element of doubt when we just miss pretty much every penalty we have. Yeah, it's not just that season, is it? I mean, let's face it, we've been crap at penalties for quite a few years now. So Yeah, that yeah. is true. <laughs> that season was just Never that much confidence. Yeah. 
yeah, I couldn't watch it. I, I, you just wince now. You're just you're so scared, especially with Mitrovic because his penalty record ain't so good. But yeah, thank God that he's got, he's got a technique now, though, hasn't he? It, we mm. all, we know where he's going to put it. All he does is just drive it hard and low to the left. Um, well, it always seems like the goalkeeper knows where he's going to put it, but he always just is too fast for it. You know, the goalkeeper's yeah. always going the right way. But yeah, you're quite right. You're quite right. I missed that first goal. I was oh, I turned around. I was talking to my girlfriend. I was sort of uh, telling her a story that she then repeated. Yeah, you know, I know you've told me that before. And as that, I sort of <laughs> as she uh, left me, sort of like you know, with that sort of comment, uh, Wilson was slotting it in. I had no idea. I had to check on the uh, the replay on TV to see, <laughs> look at my phone, <laughs> check the replay, see what happened. I was like, oh, okay. But uh, well, you, that sort of thing. I mean, that is the that is the sign of a team that was not ready for a game. Uh, playing yeah. passes like that. I mean, great from Wilson. Uh, capitalising on it, but I mean, it was so poor. Uh, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I tell you what. Um, sort of shout out to Marit Rodak as well because in that first half, uh, he pulled off a blinding save from one of the Reading players. I don't know who it was. After Robinson messed around with it in the six-yard box, and I know we go. You want to sort of probably have a, a point on that, but Shaking his head <laughs> he, speak, it was a great fingertip save around the corner. And had that gone in again could have been a very different game. You know, that first half was a completely different match to the second. And, you know, it had uh, Marek not actually got down. I mean, it's really impressive how he actually got that because it was so close as well. So, yeah, well played to him. And, um, yeah, obviously, nice to see him uh, after a few weeks out and not having a game on the weekend. Still sharp as ever. Yeah, and and, and just because you mentioned him there, just get this point over with. I, I think Robinson was improved this game. I mean, I know it had some some issues, but I thought his passing was a lot better, assisted one of the goals, tracking back. I mean, his speed is always a given. Some call him a pace merchant. I disagree with that now, I think. I, I'm starting to see him blossom a little bit more. I'm not sure what we're going to think. We'll talk about that in a minute. I, I just want to <laughs> I just want to actually just start now with the second half. This is where things get really spicy. So, I mean, I don't know what Marcus Silva said to the players. Maybe he, maybe he just said, keep doing what you're doing, lads, and, you know, you'll be fine. But I think the best place to start is the guy who really shone this half, and that's Sir Harry Wilson. And I think this was a very <laughs> Mohamed Salah-ish game for him. I mean, just completely all over the place. I mean, two goals and uh, arguably three assists, not two, because he helped set up the Mitro header, which was then taken on by Tete. I just like your your thoughts, Wigo, on Harry Wilson this season. Uh, not this, well, you can do this season, but this game. Yeah, he had six goal involvements last night. I mean, that's crazy. And it's exactly the reason we signed him. We know the sort of player he can be. And on his day, he's unplayable. And yesterday was one of those days. And luckily, the rest of the team were like that as well. Um, he was brilliant. He just got into all the right positions. You know, Poacher, ready for that goal. Ready for that goal. Uh, the cross to Cabano as well for his goal. He was everywhere. Yes, yeah. And it's one of... One of the best individual performances I've seen from a player in a long time. One of the best. Not necessarily the best, but it is up there. He's um, fantastic. And our Welsh wizard is definitely shining. And uh, I'm so glad we've got him. Yeah, would you agree with that, Morgs? One of the best performances you've seen from a player? Yeah, he didn't put a foot wrong. And he was just all over the place here. I think as soon as he got that goal, uh, he was just so... He was buzzing. And when you're a player of his quality at this level, um, obviously we're yet to see him at Premier League level, but at this level, he is of such a quality that if he smells blood, he will take advantage of it. And I think he could see how fragile 
the Reading defence was because they were, you know, Scott Dan went off after, you know, just a few minutes. Uh, that Tom Holmes guy, he's only 21 or something like that. Uh, mm. Don't know who the fullbacks were. But essentially, it was an inexperienced defence and he took full advantage of it. It was absolute merciless. And it, you, <laughs> you say you had no sympathy for them, uh, Wigo, but it kind of uh, almost, I kind of almost did by the end because they just were absolutely demoralised and Wilson was just taking the piss out of them pretty much the whole game, which yeah. was beautiful to see. I mean, the sympathy only goes so far. It, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it was, um, it just was one of those great performances. Yeah. And it, like, if you look like at back at the, say, no, go on, mate. I was going to say, if you look at back at the cottage in September when they beat us 2-1, they was like they'd won the bloody league. Of course, I've got no sympathy for them. You know, oh, their, fans have turned up, oh. their fans mm. have turned up socially distanced as well. And I mean, <laughs> I've, I do not care at all. You know, it's sad to see a club go through, uh, you know, insecure states. But if you celebrate at Fulham like you've just won the league in September, then yeah, you can do Actually, one. Yeah, you're right. Fuck them. Yeah, best yeah. serve call, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, Harry Wilson's assist, absolutely incredible. I mean, the, the Cabana goal you've mentioned. Um, I mean, the corner that he made for. Uh, Mitro's head, which is, I mean, the, the way that ball just glided towards, I mean, Tete had to get like, a hit on it in the end, it seemed. I'm not sure if that was going to hit the target or not, but just the way that the header just flew looked absolutely amazing from the distance. I haven't seen a header look like that for quite a while. So that was really good. So what I'm trying to point out here is that Harry Wilson was very good at taking crosses while Seri's been away, because I think Seri usually takes our crosses, doesn't he? Now he's at AFCON. Our crosses and- for corners. Sorry, beg your pardon, corners, yeah. <laughs> so, that being said, Seri obviously not around, and Harry Wilson stored him very well with doing those set pieces. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on Kearney this game without Seri, because I thought Kearney was brilliant. I thought he complimented Reed <laughs> very well, particularly the second half. Um, I think he Kearney's movement allowed Harrison Reed to do a, a lot more clean-up work and have his, turn his back a bit more. I just generally like your your thoughts on both of them and how they work together in this game, Morgs? Uh, I thought, I mean, Kenny was brilliant. I thought he, in the in the first half, I thought he was a little off the pace. I thought maybe he was slowing the game down a bit, whereas Seri would drive it forward a little bit more. But it didn't last for too long. And I think he got, the way he reads the game was, uh, well, it's excellent. Um, but in this game, it was particularly good. Uh, the second half, yeah, he was just controlling the middle of the park. He was getting out. Um, I think he was getting out wide a bit as well. But uh, he's just—he was all over the place. And for a player who is, I imagine, still getting back to you know 100% fitness, if ever he does get back to 100%, uh, he put in a really, really good shift uh, last night. And I think at around 70, 75 minutes, I think after about the sixth goal went in, um, I said to Frenchie, you know. I think he probably needs to go off now. He's blowing out his ass at this point. But I right. think then Reed might have picked up a bit of a, a twinge or something like that. And uh, he went off instead. But just all round, it was a... I'd say a captain's performance, but it was it was a, it was a solid, uh, you know, controlling midfield performance. And, you know, he's... I think the, there was always the sort of concern that he wouldn't be... Um, fit enough or sharp enough to replace Seri. But I think given that performance, we don't have to worry about that. Uh, whilst yes. Seri is a brilliant player, I think we won't uh, miss him uh, too badly. 
as long as they can all stay fit. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, I would probably say captain's performance, to be fair, that he absolutely led by example, Kearney. He was fantastic in the midfield. Um, some of the passing was just outrageous. It just looked like the old Tom Kearney, very sort of, you know, he looked very light on the ball, which is um, what we're used to. Very good feet. Um, and yeah, as you say, it allowed Reed to kind of drop back and mop up. He's like a little terrier. Um, yes. He'll get back, do all the cleaning up, get stuck in, and he is all over the place. And that was one of Reed's best games of the season as well. And that partnership yeah, so. works really well together. I don't, I don't know if we've seen it much this season. I know, I think it was Seri and Kearney played together in uh, at Nottingham Forest. So it was nice to be able to see something different and see, uh, you know, how well it's come off. All right, if you're going to look at it a bit negatively, Reading a crap. So you'd think Dick and Dom in the midfield would uh, be able to score seven <laughs> past Reading last night. So it, it's, but I'm not going to take anything away because it was just a stellar performance. And he looked like a real leader last night, Kearney. And I feel like that is what's been missing from him the last few years. You know, a proper leader. But uh, last night, I definitely saw that side to him. I think that's what you what you say. There, it's like you don't want to say anything negative. And that's the thing. There were actually a couple of probably uh, negative-ish points from last night. But there's no point dwelling on them. Because we won 7-0. And that is an extraordinary result, regardless of, you know, how we played. We're in the championship. We're not going to be sort of perfect uh, in our style. It's not sort of monotonous. It's actually attack, <clears throat> excuse me, attacking, flowing football. So there are going to be mistakes uh, here and there. But, you know, they didn't capitalise on them. Um, and then we capitalised on, you know, most of our attempts, even though I think we had 22 shots on goal last night. And only scored wow. seven, so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, actually, can I just want to go back to quickly to that? Um, uh, what you're saying about sort of Wilson in his corners, because he uh, from the beginning of the season always, I would say he's been the best set piece taker we have. I find it a bit um, if Seri takes the corners from the left for an in swinger, fair enough. But that one last night, after so many of the short corners, which they seem to be doing as a result of what happened at Bristol City at the weekend. Um, I was getting a bit frustrated with the fact that it was always a short corner. But then, what was it? Uh, two of the goals came direct from corners. And, yeah. you know, Wilson is so accurate with his um, crossing or set pieces that, you know, it's it's good to mix it up, of course. But, you know, that showed how good we are from them now, which as a Fulham fan is very hard to say because, you know, it's been a while since we were particularly good at set pieces. And uh, <laughs> but that marking from Mitro's header to Tet- onto Tede's head, um, was uh, it was just brilliant. I can't believe you would leave the championship's top scorer unmarked at the edge of the area and think that's a good idea. I mean, either they weren't giving a shit or they were just like completely yeah. uh, devoid of any football knowledge whatsoever. Because <laughs> when he came in, when we, when we saw him, I mean, we go, I don't remember, we were watching him and you just see him kind of float at the edge of the area and then just get his head on it. And it's like, oh, no one's marking him. And next thing you know, Tete's running off. It's like, what? <laughs> What's going on? Were you both um, in the same sort of camp as me watching it from home in the sense that you were hoping that Alexander Mitrovic didn't get subbed off because he wanted to see him score another goal that wasn't a penalty, didn't we? We wanted to sort of... We've had a few games out. We see Diaz, Bereton, Diaz is creeping up. We wanted to see that extra goal. Were you quite glad when you saw that Moody's actually came on for Harrison, uh, Harry, uh, Harry Wilson instead of Mitrovic? 
Yeah, I was personally. Um, I want Mitro to score as many goals as he can. And sure. while he's fit, he might as well keep playing. You know, he's a goal scorer. That's what he does. You know, if you're playing in a game like that and you're lining up in the box to have a go on goal, you don't. Re- he's not going to want to come off. He'll do a kepper and just refuse. I reckon he should do anyway. <laughs> I would you, you know, that's the that's the ideal game to just get your goal tally up and up. I bet he wants that record. You know, he's on twenty four now. After twenty three, he's played twenty three games. It is ridiculous. He is one of probably the best striker ever to grace a championship. And he's one of Fulham's greatest strikers ever. One of. I, th- I think I, I love the fact that Silver bought on a striker for a, yes, a winger. Exactly, yeah. Your well, was it? It was five. Was it five or six when he came? Oh, it was, it was six. Obviously, he came on for Wilson. Um, but to not just go. Actually, we'll take it easy. We'll throw another midfielder on. It's like no, because I want to batter you. I want to get this goal difference up. So I'm going to bring on a striker who needs a bit of confidence. Um, and to be fair to Mooners, he came on and put himself about a bit, uh, got his assist. Although I think we we're all hoping that he would have scored because it was a great run. Uh, mm. when he was, uh, he got past that, uh, defender. It was, I might have, might, might have been Holmes again. Um, it was, yeah, then, it was uh, revenge. Uh, it was revenge because didn't they have a little bit of a square up and Holmes yes, was they did. shouting something at, uh, Mooners. Mooners was smiling because he clearly had no idea what the fuck he was saying. No, he doesn't understand a word of English, mate. So, I mean, and, but I, I love the turn that he did uh, against Holmes there. He just made him fall flat on his ass. But uh, going back a bit to the substitution in the first part, I just love seeing Mitro and Munis together. I know it doesn't make sense because huh, they're quite similar in, in builds. I mean, it doesn't. I wouldn't have that as a starting option. But having them together, that you can see there's such love for those two guys. I mean, uh, one of the goals where the last time when Munis scored a goal, you know, you could see Mitro coming off... Um, you know, when uh, Mitrovic got subbed, he came off and they were hugging each other and doing, you know, impressions of each other's celebrations. Um, but also Mitrovic standing up for Moonies when he had that altercation with Tom Harles. That was quite a moment of just being like, you could really see the love there and just the love particularly when, um, you know, Moonies obviously set Mitro up with that rebound. It was kind of, it was one of those, do not mess with my mate. And, yes. you know, Moonies tries to get away from Holmes, who's, uh, you know, sort of, I think by this point, he's probably just so sort of uh, tired of everything that's gone on. And then Mitrovic coming up, uh, the scary Serbian that he is, kind of almost smiling as he looks like he's about to eat him. And <laughs> you just think, this is a good little partnership. Yeah, they may not be uh, you know, meant to be playing together, but when they are on the pitch at the same time, there is that camaraderie. And it's great to see because that's something that we haven't seen uh, in you know a few seasons previous. I, I definitely feel like that Mitrovic is probably seen as like a mentor for Moon is. Um, you know, he's sort of that bit older now. What is he, 27, I want to say. Um, and Moon is about 20. You know, Moon has come over from a different country, never played English football. It's probably helped sort of ground Metro a little bit as well, because we know in the past what his disciplinary record was like. Um, mm. And since he's come to Fulham, it's not been too bad. And I definitely feel like taking a new striker under his wing would have probably helped him. Um, you know, I might be totally wrong, but you, as you said, you can see the bond between them, and um, that's sort of the impression I'm getting from it. Is that Mitro is uh, looking after Moon is on the training ground? Well, they'll train. They will. They will train together, won't they? They'll do. They'll do strike, uh, striker striker uh, drills and stuff. So there'll be. There's not many of them. <laughs> you know, it's probably they probably do uh, things together. Uh, you know, quite regularly. Maybe uh, you know, one of the under twenty three strikers will come in as well. But 
realistically, they're the only two strikers we have at the club. Um, while Cavalera is out injured anyway, and uh, you know, we <laughs> and yeah. um, arguably you know, Stanfield kind of nice as well. Thing. Yeah, but he's been out injured as well. So has, yeah, yeah it's um, it's. I think it's good. You know, they may not speak the same language, but as they, you know, say, football is the global language, and I'm sure they've found some, you know, mutually uh, mutual way of understanding each other, and obviously they seem to get on. And I'm sure uh, maybe Mitro is even teaching him English. Or Serbian. Maybe. <laughs> I find I find the whole I don't know what it I mean, I know what it is about Mitrovic. We all do. I mean, he, he's been loyal to us. Uh, you know, he he scores bags of goals in this league. Uh but I'm trying to figure out what, what makes him so magical for all of us. And I, I think it's is it his smile? Is it just how happy he is here? I think it's something you can feel about the soul from him because you can just see when he you know puts his hands up in the air. And legs apart like a starfish standing up and just like looks at the crowd smiling. You just see so much happiness in him when he scores, but also for the club, wouldn't you say? There was just something very special. I mean, it's different. If there was another striker doing his numbers, I don't know if it would be the same. There's just something very special about Mitrovic for us, would you say? He's got a kind of aura around him at the moment. Um, mm. And we always said he was a confidence player. And he clearly loves playing under Silva. Um, as he said in that Sky, I think it was Sky Sports interview, um, he's being allowed to, you know, not do what he wants, but he's been given more freedom to get uh, to get about and play his game. And he's probably, I mean, when you're a striker and you're scoring that many goals, of course you're going to you're going to be loving it. You know, if we get um, if there was a case where he hadn't scored for ten games, you'd probably see his head drop. But right now, it's you know he's absolutely loving life, and I think you know. We haven't seen a striker that prolific um, since Sahar. And, you know, it's when uh, when you have a player who's doing that, it is. You you warm to him uh, as much for his performances, uh, you know, as his personality and stuff like that. But the fact he has stuck with us through two relegations as well, just he has that uh, relationship with the fans. And I think the whole combination of it, it's uh, it's quite magical at the moment. Sure. I mean, he's got eight more goals to go to break the record, I think. Eight more goals. I think this seems quite likely now. It's funny this, isn't it, Wigo? Because I was saying to you, well, on the group and on the last pod, how worried I was about Brereton Diaz and you know how worried I was about losing. And then suddenly you win 7-0 and just realise, oh, actually, yeah, we're, we're shit hot and so is he and we're actually going to be all right. <laughs> it's quite, I think, yeah, yeah, plus 39 goal difference, Jesus Christ. It gets rid of all the doubt, doesn't it? You know, I, in my head as well, I was thinking this will be the sort of game we're going to lose tonight. Wouldn't it just be typical? Um, yeah. There's always that element of doubt. It would, you know, it's, it's very Fulham um, for us to lose a game like that when they've got loads out injured. But th- this team's different. It, I, I need to stop thinking like that because this Marco Silva team just has it. And we did not look like a team that hadn't won in five games. That's for sure. We looked a completely different to the team that played Sheffield United. Um, the break must have done. Like it must have helped us because you know the players might have been a bit washed out by that point. There had not really been many breaks before, so to go and have sort of three weeks or however long it is uh, until the next game is done wonders. And yeah, we just back on the right tracks. I think it's just the response we needed, isn't it, Morgs? I mean, it just it completely sets the precedent now of what we want to do. And you know, you see Harry Wilson's interview afterwards saying we're Fulham and we're we're going for the top. Just generally, 
we should really be excited. This is a second 7-0. A second 7-0, I mm. keep saying it. But it's just something that... I know we can talk about how bad Reading were and how maybe how lackluster Blackburn were that day. But this is something something that I've never seen before in my lifetime of being a film fan. I'm, I'm fairly young with it, you know? I just, I think we should really be embracing this, shouldn't we? And not thinking about how rubbish Reading were and how rubbish Blackburn maybe were and just actually think this is very, very, very unique. Oh, it is. Um, I mean, we can't, you know, we can't get cocky um, and expect sure. this every time. Um, you know, there are a lot of games to come in the next few weeks and it was great that the... I think the fact that we had that FA Cup game at the weekend and we were able to rotate the squad but give all the players a bit of a run out, all the ones that needed to play, um, was, you know, very useful. It was a bit of, you know, almost like a uh, friendly. Um, And I think we just need to go into that Bristol City game with the same mentality. They, you know, we've just beaten them, albeit uh, in extra time. They're having a bit of a rough time behind the scenes, I think, at the moment. And I think we need to sort of uh, capitalise on that. Mm. And we've got to take every game as it comes. Massive cliche that is. But as long as they can keep fit and they can keep up the energy that we saw last night, you know, we, we should go on another bit of an unbeaten run. Um, there aren't... I wouldn't look at any of the games coming up and go, we should lose those. Even Stoke away, you know, we shouldn't. We certainly shouldn't be losing that. Um well, given any of the teams, we shouldn't lose any of the games, really. But uh, the games that we've got coming up now, we need to make sure that we make up this uh, the games in hand and maximise the points out of those. And I think last night just gave us the confidence boost to really go into those with uh, heads held high. Um, I've got to say, well, I mean, which one of you started the Manchester City We're Coming For You, John? But did, did you did you both do that? <laughs> I don't know. That was I, I was brilliant when I heard that. Now, you know what I said about being cocky. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Just, you can't, you, you can't, you just have to completely forget all I'd that. I'd say, oh yeah, yeah, let's. Uh, Pep let's get is absolutely place, petrified. <laughs> I mean, who would who would you rather have, De Bruyne, Bernardo, Silver, and Grealish, or Seri, Wilson, and Cabano? I mean, it's an obvious choice, isn't it? <laughs> What would what would you give your just really quickly a Marco Silva rating if we were to do one? I mean, I think it's quite obvious, but what would you go for, Wigger? I mean, if I want to be punny, I'll say a seven, but uh, I'm going to go with ten. Yeah, definite yeah. ten. I'd I'd give him more if I could, but um, yeah, unbelievable ten. It's interesting with Marco Silva, isn't it, Morgs? Because I mean, we don't really. I feel like we don't talk about him enough. I mean, I mean. We're doing fantastic. Maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, it's just we talk about the players more than we do him and his influence. And we talk about... I can't really explain it. I feel that he is doing such a good job and it's going under the radar. Maybe that's a good thing. But if this goes as we hope it does, this is going to smash all kinds of records and he should be more celebrated than Tagana in some aspects. I know Tagana did it with a lower budget and different times and stuff. But like, what what do you think? And Tigana, sorry. I never know how to pronounce which one. (laughs) I think Tigger did it with quite a decent budget, actually, in the given the times. Um, but the, I think it's a bit like um, it's a bit like a referee, isn't it? Really, if you don't talk about them, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I think yeah. with Silver, he's come in, implemented his style, and for the most part, it's done very well. Now we can talk about the players uh, more because they're enjoying it, 
And one of the reasons they're enjoying it is because of silver. So it's the effects of silver's management that are having the uh, the results on the pitch. We're seeing those players play with such confidence, wanting to be on the ball, wanting to get around the pitch, wanting to score goals, and not even stopping when, you know, resting on our laurels at 3-4-0. As soon as they, you know, got three or four, they realised they'd get a lot more. And that's the that would be the mentality that's been put into them by Silver, by hopefully, you know, by Bermorte, by, you know, the rest of uh, his coaching staff. And I think, you know, at the end of the season, if and when we go up, then we can celebrate him. But right now, let's Fair just, enough. you know, focus on the team and enjoy what, what we're watching. And then, you know, if we, you know, we went through the whole of December without winning a game. Uh, you could still, there was a little bit of rumblings, but it was never too bad. And, but now, you know, it's now time to sort of get behind the team and let Silver do his thing because he clearly knows what he's doing. The players love playing for him. And let's just hope that sort of, you know, the, the fairly uh, full on schedule doesn't sort of start having an effect. But I think, you know, we can, we can be happy so far. Yeah, here, here. All right, then. I mean, and you'll go for a 10 as well, I imagine, Morgs. I mean, with what no, you're saying with him. No, 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 that's too nice. Uh, no, well, you're going to have a 10. <laughs> All right. I think, I think so. I think, I think you sold me when you actually confirmed, you didn't confirm it, but you just reminded me how, you know, he brought on Muniz when he could have done something a bit more defensive. Apart could have been from brought on uh, Le Marchand, but, yeah. you know, those days are gone. <laughs> Those days are gone. Those days are very, very much gone. Thank God. So let's move on really quickly. Let's move on to a quick Bristol City preview. Just because I mean, we haven't got much to say here, lads, because we played them only a few days ago. We know what to expect. I just would like to know, we obviously go in with a bag, big bag of confidence. I'd like to know if there's anything that you saw from this game, Morgs, that you would change. And if we were going to talk about anything that was slightly disappointing in this match, we could say that maybe it was... Mr. Fabio Carvalho, is this potentially something you would move around here? It's a really hard one. I think there's a lot of people saying that he his form's dropped off uh, since he got back from injury. Is that because he's not fully fit or is it because his head's been turned by all this speculation? Mm. I think the other option is that potentially, given the fact that he's quite uh, diminutive, one of a better word, he's been um, he's the championship defenders and whatever holding midfielders and whatnot have kind of found him out a bit, and that's not to say that he's not a brilliant player. But in this league, which is incredibly physical, to be a player of his style, at first, sure, you're going to run rings around them because they're not going to know how to play against you. But I think you know, given the amount of scouting research and stuff that teams do these days, even the small teams, uh, I think they've worked out how to play against him. And it might be time just to give him a bit of a rest or use him as a bit of a sub for maybe the next few games. Who do you bring on? I guess um, Deckledover Reed in that role. Um, Or, you know, sort of if Cavalera comes back, maybe put him out on the right and Wilson in the middle. Uh, Wigo says no. (laughs) (laughs) I think, think, yeah, I think think that's that's one uh, one position. That sort of that number ten role, that's a little bit tricky for us. I think we're good, we're good on the wingers, obviously good with Mitro um, and Cavallo. I think is an amazing talent, but maybe he needs to have a little bit of a rest. Uh, bring him on with twenty minutes to go, 
and let him do his thing against tired legs. But I think he's getting a bit um, uh, drowned out by a lot of the defenders at the moment. My goodness me, Cavalero. God, we really are else. scraping the barrel. Be, I'm going to say Onoma. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I must admit, I'd probably go with Deco Dover Reed as well. Um, if that was the case, I've said it on many occasions that when uh, Carvalho was injured, how well Deco Dover Reed and Wilson particularly um, worked together. And that was when we were going through that real purple patch. I think I said it on the last pod, actually. Um, so that's not a bad option. Um, I feel like I'm a broken record, but. I do think Robinson had a bit of a shocker. Um, all right, he got the assist, fine, but uh, some of his some of his passing just really isn't there. And I just he's quick, brilliant, fine, but I just feel a lot better when Joe Bryan's at left back. I mean that uh, that chance that Reading had in the first half. Not only was it bad defending, but he did it in the um, cup against Jamaica for the US. And Bobby Reed blazed it over the bar from three yards. So it's not the first time he's done it. And all right, every, you know, defenders make mistakes, that's fine. But I feel like it's consistent with him. And a lot of the fans are starting to see it now. Um, some fans will still back him to the hills, and that is totally fair enough. He is our player. You should back him. But I do just feel like he is not the quality that we need. We've won seven nil, and he still didn't have a very good game, in my opinion. That I don't think that's unfair at all. It might be a bit. No, negative. I, I, I kind of I, I agree with you, and there were quite a few instances where uh, he misplaced a pass, and my first um, thought was to look over at you to see what facial expression you were pulling, <laughs> uh, and it was generally a grimace or saying "fuck you" or something or other like that. Um, but it was. It's a shame that it's sort of you know you could pick holes in the performance, uh, and he did get that assist. I mean, it was a six-yard pass, um, which you know it wasn't a cross, such. But there's so many of his passes were wayward, and it seems to be. You know, there was that stat the other uh, week that he has created the most chances by a left back or a full back um, yes. in the league, which is great. But I don't. It's science. I, 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 it's, yeah, it's science. I mean, yeah, and I was shit at science at school, and uh, uh, it's. I don't know. His tracking back was brilliant actually last night, but that's so. again that's his pace. And there was one bit in the second half, ball was given away, and Reading right winger was bowing down the flank, and he just got back, tackled him, and kept the ball, didn't put it out or anything. It was, and that was. That was impressive, and that's something I don't think um, Joe Bryan can do because he's not as quick. <sighs> it's that difficult one, isn't it? I think I heard someone say, when Robinson plays, I want Bryan to play, and when Bryan plays, I want Robinson to play. Interesting. Um, whereas with me, it's kind of, Target from Villa. I was going to say, when, when Robinson plays, I want Bryan to play. When Bryan plays, I want Target to play. <laughs> right. I don't know, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of partially disagree with you on this i feel like robinson is frustrating i don't feel like in a in a in a title winning team not everyone is always perfect and robinson isn't perfect far from it but there are i think he is getting better and better a little bit little by little i can see where you're coming from with some of his way with passing but i i, I noticed something just maybe a maybe i just had a better mood on my shoulders i'm not sure but i, I just noticed better stuff from him in this game and i think you know with the assist with his tracking bag and his pace, he looks—he does look like a top player. He just the passing, as you say, can be quite 
disappointing and frustrating. I see exactly where you're coming from, but I do think there's room there for for further blossoming. And I, I hopefully by the end of the season, if we just keep winning the way we're doing, and he's still playing like that, then hopefully it should all be okay. My I do only miss thing, Jay Mac, is that. Uh... Really cool. My only thing is that actually, if you're looking at it long term, okay, he played in the Premier League last year. The mm. whole team wasn't good enough, and that's fair enough to say. But if I'm if I'm looking at us now as a squad, how many players do I see as Premier League quality? Is he one of them? No, I don't think he is. I think left okay. back would be a position that we'd need to strengthen in the summer if we do get promoted. The same for quite a few positions on the pitch, but I just don't think he's there yet. He definitely can be. At some stage, I, and every player's growing, every player's, de- players develop him, but he's just not at that level yet, I think. There, I all agree with you. I think if we do get promoted, we would need a new left-back, and I think it would be someone for Robinson to sort of, um, you know, strive to be their replacement. He should be, you know, he should. we should be buying a quality left-back who, Brian, uh, sorry, Robinson can aim to, you know, overtake one day and and learn from learn from that person but i don't well, know if you, sorry sort of butting in there but he won't stay if that happens he'll be out the door because there's already been uh, there's already been interest from west ham apparently which yeah, must city something. i mean there was rumors from there was rumors about man city i mean in the summer. i mean it's like i'm not quite sure what we're missing uh, as fans that um their scouts are picking up because what we see is his ability to run very quickly and maybe they think they can work on his passing, which, you know, obviously they're some of the best clubs in the in the country, so possibly they can. Maybe we just don't have the infrastructure or the, the staff to be able to improve his game enough. But there's, you know, when you have a fullback, you want a pacey fullback. You look at sort of the one, the best Premier League fullbacks, and they're the ones with pace, and they're the ones that are getting assists. And I think if, you know, they're seeing that in him and think that they can sort of improve him, then fair enough. But we need to try and work out what to do with him to get the best out of him. Um, otherwise, yeah, you're right. We will have to just to buy uh, a red full, but that suits our tactic. And, and speaking of, I don't think there's much gossip in the transfer window before we wrap this up. I think you've got okay, Yokuslu, I think I pronounced that right, who's a CDM from Turkey. I, I think that sounds like it might go through. Apparently we've made a permanent offer or a loan with a perm option to buy. But I don't know. I mean, I quite like the idea of... Ch- I mean, we might not need him. Chalabon might be able to do a decent job while Terry's out to fill in and come off the bench to, you know, become a defensive anchor in the midfield. But you've also got Joe... I think it's Josh, Josh Bowler, who was one of our academy grads uh, at one point. We let him go. Uh, Blackpool winger. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, yeah, it's, we've done it again. It's like Madger all over again, isn't it? But I mean, that would be interesting. I, I do think that, you know, with Cavalero's you know, injury crisis. We probably do need to strengthen on that left forward side, potentially just an option instead of Cabana uh, to come on. Cause I'd, I'd like Bobby Reed to keep being substituted for that number 10 slot or that second striker position instead of a winger, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that about, about, be an interesting about one. Knockout. I mean, knockouts. I mean, haven't they said he's, I mean, he's free to go. He's off. I think. Yeah. He's, oh, off. he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely going to go. You just got to get his wages off the books. Through. Well, they're, yeah, they're, they're so looking Cyrus at... Christie, Cyrus Christie was meant to go to Swansea, which has apparently fallen through. I mean, that's right. wages off the books as well. Obviously, I do feel sorry for Christie. I've always really liked him. But yeah, if you look yeah. at it from a financial perspective, you've got to get the wages off the books. It's the same with Knockart. If you look at someone like Josh Bowler, he's a 
in my opinion, a short-term option because I don't. I think if we do go up, he is not nowhere yeah. near good enough for the Premier League yet. I agree. Um, yeah. He's a great player and he always scores against us. Um, it feels like, but and he'd be a lot cheaper than having Anthony Knockhart sat in the stands every week, um, which you know I know Dom absolutely loves. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think you've just got to get rid. So Josh Bowler would be a decent option. Yeah. I think I think what you said on a, a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago that any signings that we make need to be ones with the idea that we're going to be in the Premier League next year, and Josh Bowler is not that. Um, that's not to say that he wouldn't be, but I don't know. I don't know much about him. But I mean, he's you know playing for Blackpool and whatnot, and it's I'm probably sort of uh, painting him with a slightly harsh brush in that respect. But we don't. We want to be looking at some of the better players in the Championship. Uh, or some of those players in the Premier League that aren't getting a chance, and that's when you look at the loans. Because if we send Keener back um, and get rid of uh, Knockhart and apparently Congolo... Uh, yeah, looking the for a loan, of, maybe. Well, the chance of him passing a medical anywhere are absolutely zero, I think. Um, yeah. Poor old Because obviously we didn't give him one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and Christioff, that's that's three places freed up in the squad, and that's the, that's the issue that we have, is that we can't bring anyone in because we've got a full squad at the moment. Um, obviously, we could, you know, deregister Knockart and Congolo and all that, but it's best to get their wages off the books first. But I would be looking at loans at this point, and I don't think we need many, maybe a couple, because I think when it comes to the summer, we need to recruit for the league that we're in, not sort of recruiting now for the league that we're in uh, yeah. without sort of the expectation that we're going to be going up because we don't want more Knockarts, Cavaleros, and, you know, Bobby Reed did all right, but I mean, in the Premier League, but when we were in the Championship, we were looking at him going, really? He's not a Premier League player. And so. I personally believe that a well-run club will be looking ahead to the long term. We'll be thinking about getting in conversations with these players, with these agents, where they legally can. You know, Fulham is an attractive prospect at the moment for, for players to come. You know, we're second in the league, game in hand. We've won 7-0 twice this season. We've yeah. scored the most goals out of any of Europe's top five leagues, plus the three EFL leagues on 58, Bayern Munich below us on 57. What a what a brilliant team this would be for any player to join. And if you look at that, think they could be in the Premier League next year under this style of football, playing this sort of football. What a what a brilliant, brilliant um, option that would be, yeah. I mean... It's a perfect place to round it off, mate. I think. I think you know. Also, you got the Riverside Stand and the Fulham Pier. It's going to look beautiful, lads. It's really going to look beautiful. I don't I've think they've got a paint mission for the pier yet. I think the uh, the rowing clubs have kicked off about that. Oh, have they? Oh shit. Well, I mean, it looks <laughs> it looks great. I'm going to just you know mentally keep that picture in my head until anything's confirmed. Look great. Have you seen that video, by the way, lads? Um, you know the uh, the football team in Venice. Uh, oh, Venezia. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the boat battle between them and another team? It was AC it's Milan's a- fans, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean. It's absolutely amazing. I, I, they're, I be- uh, they're, their ground is right on the canals. Um, That's it. And uh, I think when, when they got promoted, obviously it was all behind closed doors. And they had a bridge across one of the canals, and the, the team were on one side of the bridge. And the fans, like, you know, hundreds or, you know, thousands of fans on the other side of the British chanting, sort of like flares, everything, and all the team just pumping into the mouth. <laughs> Fire! Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, yeah. guys, it's it's been so good to have you on. It's so good to see you. And I'm, I'm glad you guys were on in particular because you guys were there. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it because um, 
basically just whatever powers that would be just did not want me to go to that football game last night. Um, I a flat tire, well, like a slow puncture, and then I I left my kit, my van keys from work in back at work when I was driving past Victoria, so I had to drive all the way back, and it just wouldn't have worked. All right, thank you very much. Thank you guys. It's good to see you. Thanks for all you guys listening at home or wherever you are at work. What be it? And we'll be back. We'll be back with a reaction to Bristol City. Thank you for listening to us. We appreciate you. Appreciate your support. We'll see you soon. Bye for now. Fulham.